Welcome back, everybody, to the Say the Damn Score podcast here. Logan Anderson, your host. And right now, part of this podcast about the play-by-play broadcasting industry, we've had some big names on to start the start the podcast. And there's more than one way to be successful in this business. And one of those is to be the big fish in the small pond for a very, very long time. And we are joined right now by Randy Grossman from KDSN in Denison, Iowa, one of my mentors. And he fits those criteria. Randy, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Good to hear your voice again there, Logan. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, I worked at KDSN in Denison, my first job out of school, and had to deal with Mr. Radio Randy for, for three years of my radio existence. But Randy, one of the things I like to start off asking everybody as we get into this, because it's a business where someone has to get a break to get into the business, no matter what level you're getting in at, is how did you get into the broadcasting industry and what was your break? I went to uh, college at Iowa Central Community College in Fort Dodge. It was just a two-year college. And uh, I applied for a job in Denison, Iowa right away. And it wasn't more than three or four days later, they called me back and said, yeah, we're interested in hiring you. And I said, would it be just as an on-air disc jockey or would it be, I want to get into sports. And they said, at first, it would be just uh, on-air. I was a sign-on guy. I was there at 6 o'clock, quarter to 6 every morning. And then uh, they said sports would open up in about three months. And I started there and... September of 75, and by December 1st of 75, uh, I became sports director, and that was a huge break for me. The reason I got the break was the sales manager was going to retire at KDSN. The sports director wanted to move up to sales manager, which opened up the sports director's job, and that's where the break came in, and uh, it's, uh, well, it's been a good relationship ever since. And you've been at one station for, if my math is correct, which I'm not very good at math, but for 40 years. And, you know, back in 1975, you said, how long when you started there did you plan on staying at KDSN? Can you even remember that far after all the mirror yeah, lights yeah, that I, you've had? <laughs> yeah, and I've had a lot of them over the years, you, you know. Uh, I really thought it was just going to be a stepping stone. I thought maybe a year, two years max, and then look for something else. But... Uh, a couple things happened. Uh, really loved the community here. My wife got a really nice job. And we developed a lot of friends right away. And all of a sudden, it was hard to leave, and I had, I've had opportunities to leave. I know KMA in Shenandoah, after three years, was calling me, and then my hometown, Carroll, Iowa, uh, they had an opening there, too. But uh, once I got my roots kind of deep here, and I really loved the area, and Another big reason, too, is uh, sports, at least back in the 70s and 80s and early 90s in Denison, we had good teams in everything, whether it was boys and girls basketball, whether it was football, you know, track, whatever, softball, baseball, whatever the sport, we always won. And you'll probably find this out, when you broadcast for a winner, it's a lot of fun. Now, recently, we haven't been very good, at least Denison Fleshley, in sports, and it's the seasons have lasted longer. And I realized when you get older like that, the trips you got to make, you know, and you don't win, it just kind of drags on a little bit. But 
I was very lucky. We love the community, and they're not just Dennis. You know, I've done a lot of area games as well, but uh, uh, love the area, and uh, we you know enjoyed uh, broadcasting sports. So, I want to backtrack into some of the stuff you touched on there. You talked about your two chances to leave. One of them was to. KMA in Shenandoah, Iowa, which for those of you who don't know where that is, which is probably most of you, it's kind of a regional, it's a very, very unusually strong signal that is kind of a sports leader in the region and would have been a nice step up. What was it about, you touched on it a little bit, but that one in particular, staying at KDSN, was that a difficult decision? Oh, it was, and part of it was, the owners that own KDSN at the present time, you know, it, let's face it, you know, you always want to make more money than the next guy or you, you want to have a, you know, have a pretty decent living. And I wasn't making the money that I thought I should be making at KDSN at that time. And it was really difficult for me to turn down KMA. I knew a lot of the guys down there. I knew the sales manager down there and the program director, and they basically offered me the job. And I'll be honest with you, I was going to take it. And then when the sales manager at our station at KDSN found out that I might be leaving, he goes, don't, don't leave. I'm buying the station in three months. You know, I'll give you a raise and, you know, you'll be doing what you're doing right now, maybe even have a little bit more freedom. And when I heard that, I had a good relationship with that guy. And, uh, I decided to turn down the KMA job and, uh, and stay here in Denison. And then, Probably about 10 years later, it was hard for me to turn down the Carroll job, too, because that my hometown is just south of Carroll, and I went to Kemper, which is a Catholic high school in Carroll, plus it's Carroll High as well, public school. It was hard for me to turn that one down because I knew everybody over there, but I had already been here for about 10 to 12 years, and like I said before, my roots were deep, and uh, I really loved the area, and and when you're successful as far as sports is concerned, it just made it harder for me to leave. I didn't want to go someplace where sports wasn't really good and uh, not knowing a lot of people. So, yeah, there's been some tough decisions. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, there have been times I always say to myself, man, what if I'd have taken that KMA job or taken that Carol Radio job? But, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'm happy I stayed where I'm at and uh, or I'm still having a good time here. So after the second one that you decided not to, did you just kind of know in your heart, you know, this is it, I'm here for the long haul? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that. The only thing that would have changed that would maybe be health or a change of ownership or something like that. And we've had some change of ownership. So I know uh, the pre, uh, present owner start, uh, bought this place in 1993, but uh, after he had it for a couple of years, I just had a feeling this is where I was going to, and my career at, and, uh, well, so far so good at this point. And covering high school for the entire time as opposed to trying to move up to the college or the professional ranks for whatever reason, you know, there's a certain purity to that game. Is Did that have part of the reason for you guys, for you never trying to pursue anything higher? Yeah, I, it really did. I'm going to be honest with you. Probably my dream job of all time would have been the play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Royals. Of course, the last two years would have really been a lot of fun, and I've always kind of wanted to do that. But once you get into high school sports, in fact, when I started at KDSN, the first sport broadcast I did was Little League Baseball. And 
if you could do Little League Baseball, you can do about anything. But the purity of Little League Baseball and how hard the kids tried, you know, then went into high school sports. And it's just there's something about high school and especially a small town radio like Dennis and Iowa. And, and you know that when you were here, we did a lot of area games as well, not only in Crawford County, but surrounding counties as well. You meet a lot of people, and they become good friends of yours. You know, we do a coach's corner program. We do eight of them every Saturday, and all those coaches I've been with for a long time, and uh, you develop a lot of bonds. And uh, But, yeah, high school sports, you know, there's nothing more pure than that and uh, nothing more innocent, and uh, there's nothing more emotional-wise from the extremes, from the low to the highs, that you get not only with the players but the, with the fans and parents as well. So being the big fish in the small pond certainly has its rewards. What is your favorite aspect of that dynamic and that lifestyle? Uh, I think there's a lot of things to talk about. I'm, I guess I'm not trying to mull and horn here, but being here for a long time, I think I'm pretty well respected in the community, and it makes me feel good when people come to me and say, well, Radio Rand, is this what I should do? Is this what I should do? And I do sales as well and i developed some good relationships with a lot of businesses around town. That's one of the rewards of it. But also, other rewards is, man, I got to broadcast for a lot of great teams. Um, I mean, I've got favorite memories all over the place. From uh, the first year I started doing basketball play-by-play, where I did Dennis and I did area games before that, but the first year in 77-78, I did boys basketball for Denison. We went to the state tournament for the first time ever and won the state championship. That's something I will never forget as long as I live. You know, in 1977, Manila in football won the state championship. 94, the Monarch baseball team won the state championship. In 98, the Monarch girls basketball team was good. ICAM and Manning have both won championships in basketball and football. Charter O'Cute in girls basketball. Logan Magnolia in football. I mean, there's so many memories when you go back, and if somebody asked me what was my favorite thing of all time, I wouldn't know which one to choose. There's so many of them, and uh, it's memories like that that makes, and when you do games like that or teams like that, it makes you want to come back and do the next game because it was so much fun. Have you ever gone back and dug out, you know, a 40-year-old cassette tape with the stuff from your first two years of of broadcasting and compared it with what you do now? Uh, probably do, do not. Do those exist? I, I, I do have a cassette tape from, I'm going to say, 35 years ago that I've had. I listened to it the other day, and, and to be honest, I probably should sit down and listen to my broadcast a little bit more to see where I can improve, but I think I've improved over the years. I just think uh, the more years you do it, the more you know what you should say and shouldn't say and describe it a little bit better. You know, I was as raw as you can be when I first started in in 75, the only sports broadcast training they really had because when I went to Iowa Central, they didn't have a sports uh, broadcast school, just radio broadcasting school. It wasn't much sports. When I came to Denison, the, my boss went out for me for a quarter of basketball and said, well, I think you can do it. Go take it. So, I listened to a lot of other radio play-by-play guy, TV guys, and kind of learned from there about some of the sayings and so forth. Not to copy anything, but how to present the game. So, yeah, to be honest, uh, 
that's probably something that I know you are very good at that, of taping your games and sending them to me and letting me critique you on where I think you could do better. And I probably should have done that more over the years, but uh, I'm happy with what's happened. So let's go to your preparation process. As I want you to just tell me how has your preparation process for a game changed over the years with the the development of the internet and with so much information available now as compared to what probably you used to have maybe a few box scores and right. the word of the coaches. It's so much uh, easier now. Everything is so readily available to you. You know, in Iowa, we have a thing called Quick Stats, which is uh, the Iowa Girls Athletic Union and the Iowa Boys Athletic Association. Coaches have to update their Quick Stats on a game-by-game basis. If they don't, they could be suspended or uh, not being able to coach in the in the postseason tournament. So all those stats are up to date, and I mean they have everything there. Back when I first started in '75, you'd have to make a phone call you know, to talk to the coach, and then, you know, you'd have the coach either fax the uh, uh, stats over to you or he'd bring the stats to the game. Or a lot of times there's coaches that didn't want to give out stats. It was like pulling teeth sometimes to find out, well, what's he averaging per game or how many touchdowns has he scored. So it has really changed for the better. Quite frankly, I'm not the smartest man when it comes to technology because I'm in the older generation now, but... It's unbelievable all the stuff that you can do with the Internet and modern technology now as far as broadcasting games. When I first started in 75, if we did a game, we did it by a radial transmitter. And outside of Denison, sometimes if I did a game, you know, like 20 miles away, I'd have to stick an antenna up about 20 feet in the air and make sure it was secure, run cord inside a gymnasium, you know, and broadcast that way. You know, and now you either do it by telephone or by internet. It's so much simpler right now. Sometimes it gets frustrating because sometimes, you know, the internet might go down or there's too many people that are using their cell phones or their laptops or whatever, and sometimes your signal will drop. But, uh, it's, it's so much easier now to prepare for a game and feel like you've got everything covered than what it was 40 years ago. I know that in my three years at Denison, there was a lot of unique broadcast situations and horror stories, so to speak, of you know jerseys without numbers on them and all sorts of stuff. So you've been there for 40 years. What are some of your, let's just say, most challenging broadcasting conditions that you've had to deal with? Okay. Uh, one time, I'm going to give you probably two or three instances here. This was back in like 1977, 78. It was the girls' uh sectional basketball tournaments and I had uh, two games up in Lakeview. Well, the problem was it snowed 10 inches of snow that day. Uh, All the other games were postponed. Guess which games they played that night up in Lakeview. So that was one of those games where I had to stick an antenna outside the the, uh, school and then run cords in. Well, when you're sticking this antenna up, you're standing in about four or five foot of snow. First of all, it took me about an hour and a half uh, to get to Lakeview, which is about a half-hour drive. So that was very challenging. We ended up getting the two games in, and it took me about two hours to get home because the road conditions are so bad. Uh, another thing that uh, kind of a funny thing, I was uh, doing a baseball game in Denison, 
It was supposed to be JV varsity, but because of some impending weather, the AD called me up and said, hey, we're going to start the varsity game in about a half an hour. So I hadn't even showered yet, but uh, I quickly showered, jumped in, got the equipment set up, and broadcast the game. Unfortunately, I did not go to the bathroom before this happened. Now, this is a baseball game. Got to be about the 12th inning, and Radio Ran really had to go to the bathroom very, uh, real bad. I waited till the 16th inning. It was the bottom of the 16th inning, and I finally, and there were no bathrooms close by in Dennis, and you had to walk about a quarter of a mile. Finally, the bottom of, between the middle of the 16th and bottom of the 16th, one of my friends, Dr. Steve Oldman, I just yelled at him. I said, if we don't score, you got the 17th inning. Well, wouldn't you know, we hit a leadoff home run in the bottom of the 16th and win the game, and it was the shortest postgame I've ever had in the history of sports because uh, I had to uh, go to the restroom really bad. <laughs> There's a couple other ones that I remember just from our time together, and one of them that sticks out to me is just there was a couple special players in a game that we actually broadcast together. It was the Denison Sleswig game versus Sioux City Helan, which probably doesn't mean a whole lot to most of the people listening. But two of the key players on each team was senior running back Brandon Wagger, who is now with the Carolina Panthers, and I believe starting tight end at that point was Brandon Sheriff, who was the number five overall draft pick this last year. Has there ever been another point where there's been not even one, but two professional players in small-town Iowa football game that you've had to cover? You know, not really, no. I'll be honest with you. Brandon Sheriff was the, you know, it's uh, hard to believe, and what a great honor to broadcast the games for a guy that was, uh, you know, picked in the first round, the number five pick overall. And I remember Brandon Wagger like it was just yesterday. Uh, There's been some great athletes that have come through, but off the top of my head, any of them that were successful or able to play professional ball, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head but uh, Brandon Sheriff. Now, we've had some good college players that have played. I mean, Chris Coleman uh, played at Morningside back in the late 80s, and I think at one time, and he still might be their all-time leading scorer, he was great. Eric Weavers uh, played for Buena University. And he was conference player of the year, I know, a couple times. Uh, now, there's been some great athletes that have come through here. Scott Larson was a good athlete. He's now, well, he was a coach here, and now he's a business manager at Denison High School. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, there's been some uh, quality athletes, but being from a small school, you don't see them go on to professional ranks. But uh, that was uh, with Brandon Sheriff, that's kind of cool. And, uh, and I know at the taping of this interview, their division, they're the they're the leaders in that division. It kind of be cool to see Brandon and the Redskins get to the playoffs. You know, one of the things that always impressed me about you was just your memory for for old names and old players. You just spouted off four or five of them without even thinking about it. When you're broadcasting games and you've been in one place for so long that you're now starting to get you know, sons and nephews and daughters yeah. of players that you used to broadcast. This is a storytelling, uh, you know, industry. How much does that help you when you get into a game to set you apart from everyone else? I don't think there's any question that really helps because you've got something else to talk about during a lull in the game or, you know, when there's a period where you've got the opportunity to talk. 
especially football. In between games, you got a lot. In between plays, you got a lot more time to talk. Basketball, not quite as much, but I don't know how many stories that I have told over the years. Yeah, I used to broadcast his his dad's games, you know, back in the late seventies, and now his boy is playing right now. And you know, I said to myself, it might be time to quit if I start broadcasting the grandchild of one of the players I used to coach. But it does help out. There's no question about it. And you know, there's a lot of new people that have come through KDSN that have done sports like you. And, you know, there's been a Derek Martin who's now down at KMA. Now we got J.J. Johnson that helps out. And, and all those people have looked at me and said, well, man, you know a lot about that. Well, that's because I broadcast, you know, for 40 years and I've got stories to tell over. So, yeah, it, it does help to have that knowledge in front of you. What has been maybe some of your favorite stories that have been part of a game that you've been a part of, a part of over the years? Probably, you know, I talked about those state championship teams that I broadcast for, but probably my favorite memory of all time, and I don't know exactly what year this was, but Schleswig, Iowa, in boys basketball, was playing in a sub-state final in Denison against Pomeroy Palmer. Pomeroy Palmer was the number one team in the state. They had destroyed everybody by about 30 points or more throughout the season, Mitch Osborne, who's a legendary coach, was the coach of Pomeroy Palmer now. You know, he's down at Harlan. And uh, Schleswig had like eight or nine losses. I could still remember that game like it was yesterday. Uh, the game went into triple overtime. Uh, Schleswig had four of their starters had already filed out by the first overtime. But somehow, some way, they hung in there and actually had a one-point lead with about 15 seconds to go in the third overtime but couldn't hang on, and that's just one of those games that just sticks out, and I can still remember the players that were there for Schleswig, and and uh, it was such a great game, and it's one of those things, even though they lost, you felt good inside for the effort that they put up, and that's just one of the memories. I mean, I could tell you a zillion ones that, uh, you know, that still give me butterflies today. What is the strangest place you've ever been, you know, put, as far as location-wise, to broadcast a game? Oh, man. Uh, boy, back in the, I'm going to say late 70s, early 80s, I know I've done some really weird places football-wise that I broadcast from, but probably in 1989, we did Logan Magnolia. They played at Mallard, Iowa, and... The press box was about 10 feet long by about 3 feet wide. There were three radio stations that were covering Mallard. We were the only station covering Logan Magnolia. And when I called the AD up, he goes, man, I don't know what, we're not going to be able to put you anyplace. There's not going to be any phone lines. And this is before we did games by cell phone. And he goes, the only thing I can think of is, if you don't mind, if you don't mind broadcasting on top of the high school, on top of the roof, and then I said, well, I don't mind, but how far away are we going to be from the football field? And he goes, well, you're probably about 100 feet from one of the end zones. So I said, well, if that's the only way we can do the game, and uh, Steve Oldman did the game with me that day. We were able to run a phone line court on top of the roof, and we broadcast the game there. We, it was in the afternoon. The only problem was, scoreboard-wise, 
when the sun was shining brightly, it was hard to see the score. So we had to kind of keep a stopwatch, you know, of how many seconds were left in the game and kind of went that way. And, and we also had binoculars, too. But that was probably the, the strangest place I brought. You won't believe the looks we got when we were on top of the high school way away from the field and people are looking at us kind of shaking their head. But you know what? You do anything to get the game on the air, and uh, we had a lot of compliments on that game today. Logan, Logan ended up winning and went on to the, uh, to the semifinals. So being, as we talked about, the proverbial big fish in the small pond, sometimes you, know, you get treated like a little bit of a local celebrity. G- give us some stories where maybe it even makes you uncomfortable, but where you were you know, treated like a celebrity. Well, I know there's been times where I've been at games, and this really uh, makes me feel uh, uncomfortable sometimes, but a lot of the fan base, the student fan base, will be, I know it's happened at our weave, it's happened down in Manning, it's happening down at Manila, but they start chanting your name like, Randy Grossman, bum, 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 bum. and I'm not kidding, and it just gets louder and louder. You don't even know they're saying your name. Then you take your headsets off, you know, during a commercial break, and everybody's looking at you, and all of a sudden you can hear that. That's one of the things that uh, really brought tears to my eyes when that happened. And I've won a, I'm not going to lie to you, I've won a couple awards here recently that, that, that were kind of cool, and uh, I was inducted into the uh, uh, News Media Hall of Fame at the Boys State Basketball Tournament. That was very, very special. And, uh, you know, there's been, man, there's been so many times uh uh, yeah, I do. Uh, great word is uncomfortable. I'm not big into taking praise, at least now out in public. Now, somebody individually comes and hey, Randy, great job. I mean, it makes you feel good when you hear that, but it does make it a little bit uncomfortable when a whole bunch of people are, are there and noticing that. But, uh, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a neat thing. So everybody around... Dennis and I, well, everybody calls you Radio Rand. I don't think if anybody even actually knows that your name is Randy at this point. It's just Radio Rand. And one time you got kind of the flip side of this is you got an angry letter that was mad about something you said. I don't even remember what it was. And they called you Radio Bland. And I know I've given you a hard time from that uh, over the years. But getting kind of the flip side of that being a local celebrity in a small pond where everybody knows who you are has there ever been i guess different sort of uncomfortable moments from that perspective yeah it's happened a few times that was a great one that's when and you were there we used to rotate play by play for basketball tournaments from two or three sites every night and we didn't do this uh, game down at manning and this person just lit me up and sent us an email like you said Instead of Radio Rand, called me Radio Bland, which I still laugh at. And, yes, you've always brought that up, and I respect you for it because I give you a bunch of crap as well. But you're always going to hurt some feelings, especially when it comes to what area team that you're going to broadcast that night, Uh, especially tournament-wise. You know that in Iowa, 50% of the teams, if not more, play their games on the same night. Well, which, which team do you do? That's the reason why we went to rotating play-by-play, but it happens all the time. The football playoffs the same way. We do not do rotating play-by-play in the football playoffs. So the first round of the playoffs, who do you do and who do you not offend? You know, and some people don't understand. A lot of times it's a monetary situation. You know, if the station can sell a lot more advertising in one area, 
it doesn't take a genius to figure out your boss is going to say, well, we're doing that game instead of doing this game where we're not going to make as much money. Some people take it to heart that, well, Radio Ram doesn't like IKM or doesn't like Charter Real Cute. That's the reason why he did an Arweva game. There's always going to be times when that happens. But a lot of times if they talk to me, I'll explain the reason to them. This is the reason why it has nothing to do with we don't like your team. Sometimes it comes down to a monetary situation, and KDSN is a business just like where you work at, and a lot of times where you can make the most money, that's where you follow. Speaking of making the most money, you know one of the things that you have done for most of your career, I don't know if entirely all of it, but you've balanced doing advertising sales as well as doing sports. That is something that I do as well as you know well, but our listeners may not. What are some of the pros and cons of doing advertising sales as well as broadcasting sports? Because sometimes it can be difficult to balance. Well, I, I think you know as well as I do that um, when you're in small market radio, at least when you know being here, there's no way you're going to survive or make a lot of money just broadcasting games. So it's just not it's not going to do. So in order to supplement your income, you got to do something else and. I was able to get into sales, not right away, like you mentioned. I think it was like in 1979. I'd been there four years. I finally got into sales because I wanted to supplement my income because I knew I wasn't didn't want to stay in Denison making a small amount of money. But once you get into sales, that's where the money's at. There's no question. The problem is then when you do sales, it can take away from your sports work, and it's really hard to balance sometimes. You know, you got to prioritize a little bit and. You know, sales-wise, your big accounts you're going to take care of, you know, probably a lot more than the ones that don't spend very money. That doesn't mean that those people that don't spend a lot aren't special as well, but you're going to prioritize a little bit. And what happens is when you're doing the sales and the sports, and I do on-air as well, sometimes it takes away from all three of those when you got to dedicate more than once. But it's like anything else, you're able to juggle, you're able to, balance it out as much as you can and do the best job that you can. But sometimes, at certain times of the year, it can be really tough because, and you know this, uh, Logan, there are some times of the year where there are certain things that have to be sold, and it's also at the busiest time doing sports and trying to balance them is pretty tough. But uh, you learn over the years to do that. Do you think that doing play-by-play and doing sports casting helps you in any way as far as being a salesperson? Uh, No question, because uh, whether I'm doing sports or whether I do my on-air shift, uh, people have that little connection with you, and they can say, hey, Randy, I heard you on the, what a game last night that was. You did a great job, or what a great win by the Monarchs or by our Weave or whoever we're doing. And then also, when I do my on-air shift, they might even say, oh, gross when I heard you today. That was an idiotic comment that you made. But it gives you that connection, and it just makes it a little bit easier to make the sale with somebody because they feel like they know you already, and you develop a good relationship. And I know we have an advertising consultant who says, well, Randy, you do relationship selling. I say, yeah, I do relationship selling because I've developed that with, with the uh, customer. So I definitely think, uh, doing the sports and my on-air has made it a lot more easier for me to do sales because I think you also develop a trust with those people. With as many people as you know throughout uh, your small market area, 
How often does it happen that someone comes up to you and starts a conversation and you can't remember who they are? Oh, God, all the time. And I think the older I get, you know, it's part Alzheimer's that has sent it as well. But, uh, oh, that happens all the time. But I've really tried over the last 10 years to do a better job when I'm introduced to somebody to try to remember at least what their first name is because there's nothing more embarrassing when you go out another time and like your wife or your significant others along with you and you're having a conversation with this person they know you you have no idea what their first name is then your wife goes well, aren't you going to introduce me oh there's nothing more embarrassing than that so try to do a better job but it still happens and uh, probably happens more than what it should but uh, i think that happens to everybody but uh, after you've been at a place for so long and people have heard you for so long, they know you, but you trying to know them sometimes is pretty difficult. And piggybacking on that, you know, I know that you're a social person. You really try to be involved with the community that you're in, and you're, you're out at a lot of events, and make yourself available to your fans, for you know, lack of a better word. How important is that when you're in small market radio, to really try to be part of that community? I think it's a necessity. Uh, I try to do as many things as I can. There's no way you can do everything. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I've emceed many banquets, many sporting things over the years. I've attended, uh, whether it be banquets or, or uh, you know, uh, fundraisers that I know KDSN should be there, especially in the areas that I sell advertising in, Logan, I try to make sure that I go to their their events that they have because it makes not only KDSN look good, it makes me look good. It shows that we're interested in being a part of that community. And that's how you make friends and you develop relationships. And, and in the long run, those things, now, you don't do it for the money, but it does pay off. You know, you might be able to sell a little bit more advertising in that area because, well, Randy was kind enough to show up at this. Yeah, let's do that. So I really do think it's uh, it's very important and, I'm, like I said, a necessity that you do put yourself out there in the public eye and, and uh, you know, uh, be a, attending a lot of these events. Dealing with high school coaches, a lot of times when you want information or you want an interview, they're not always the easiest people to deal with because they're busy all day. Most of them are teachers. Coaching comes secondary as to what they do. And some of them just don't like or don't know how to deal with the media. How do you overcome difficult coaches? Well, you're always going to have some that uh, are just, I don't want to say impossible to work with, but you know that there's just going to be a time where they're not going to want to talk to you. So what you try to do is you find find a time that Winnie would be able to talk to you. Some of the toughest interviews to do is after a team suffers an emotional loss, let's say it be the game to go to state, you lose that game on a last-second shot. That's happened to a lot of games that I broadcast and a lot of coaches that are good friends of mine. One of the toughest things for them to do is to come up like right after the ball games because it's such, been such a, a devastating defeat. You kind of learn by that situation. You kind of learn that, well, he's not going to come up. Then you really can't blame him at that time. But to be honest, most of the coaches now I've developed, and since I've been there a long time, develop a good relationship. And I would say most of them 
whether it's a win or a loss, if I ask them to come up after the game, they do come up after the game. There's always going to be times when they forget, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, but it does happen, and quite honest, you know, if I put myself in their shoes, if it was a devastating defeat, boy, and, you know, and it's the last game of the season for you guys, it would be hard to come up and talk about it. Usually what happens then is if they don't talk about it after the game, it might be a day or two later that I, you know, do an interview with the coach and we get it on the air that way. But there there are some times, and then there are some coaches over the years, and I'm not talking about local area coaches, I'm talking about coaches not from this area, but Denison or somebody's playing that team, they could give, they could care less whether or not, you know, they do a pregame interview with you or a postgame interview with you. But for the most part, most coaches are very, very willing, very cooperative in doing that. But there's always a few sticklers out there. I'm not going to name names, but uh, yeah, there's a few out there. So being, you know, at it for 40 years, you probably said a thing or two that you wish you could take back uh, live on the radio. What are some of those that you can look back at and find humorous now? Well, I, I, uh, and you know me off mic, I don't have the greatest vocabulary of <laughs> lang- language that, uh, you know. We're on the Internet. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, but, I, but I've, you know, uh, the worst I've said on the air broadcasting-wise is hell. I've said ass a few times. I've been very lucky not to say the F word or the S-H-I-T word. Uh, just been very lucky there, but uh, it's amazing. I haven't said it yet, and I'm knocking on wood as we speak <laughs> that I hope it never happens to me ever because I've been around people that have cussed on the radio, and, you know, uh, you know the uh, FCC uh, frowns on that, and now fines can be pretty tough on that, but... For the most part, you know, there's always been certain times where, not where you've said naughty words, but you said something like, well, why in the world did I say that? That was really stupid. Or, you know, I made the person look stupid, or I look even more stupid. And you say to yourself, God, why did I do that? And uh, probably more of that over the years than anything else. Because, you know, sometimes when you're doing live radio and you're doing a live interview and you've done pigskin picking with me, you know, that's where we broadcast from a bar in Dennis, and we do live football games. In fact, that's where I'm leaving here. Uh, you know, this is pre-recorded, where I'm going to be going to that. There's Don't times when you're hosting that. Yeah, but when you're hosting that program where all of a sudden, gosh, why did I say that? Oh, that was an idiotic comment. But when it's live radio, sometimes you got to live, live up to it or uh, just uh, live with it, huh? Part of small market radio is you do have to do a lot of live remotes and broadcasts, you know, from bars or restaurants. Have you ever had people outside of yourselves or people part of your who were part of your panel or part of your show who have made your broadcast difficult, let's say, from what they're saying or the noise they're making in the background? Oh yeah, that that happens all the time, and in fact, uh, we've had a couple guests on the airwaves that have uh, said said the no-no word that shouldn't be on the air, so you got to kind of cover that up. But then also, like you said, when you do it from a bar or from a remote location, uh, you never know what some of the fans in the background are going to be like. And you know there's been a couple people that you know that have come up and 
have grabbed the mic and you're you're saying, please don't say a naughty word. Don't you know? Don't embarrass yourself and embarrass the radio station here. But sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. You just uh, have to grin and bear it. If it happens, it happens, uh, uh, and just go from there. But oh yeah, you you you've been in that situation too, where oh my goodness, especially when you're broadcasting from a bar, a live program. Sometimes there's people in there that uh, are pretty well inebriated, and you're not going to be able to stop them from saying stuff. So, so yeah, there's always been certain situations where it's kind of tough. Over the years, you've been there long enough that you've developed, you know, what I'm going to call a broadcasting tree. When coaches have assistants who move on to bigger and better things, you know, we call it the coaching tree. You've had a lot of secondary broadcasters who have moved on to different things. I can think of probably two besides myself who have moved on to other places. And, you know, we don't need to list who it is and where they've gone, but how does that make you feel to be a mentor and a mentor to people who are making it and coming up behind you being that next generation? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to phrase it like this. Uh, Don Euchre was my boss and was basically my mentor. And I run to him, run into him about every year now for the last 20 years. And it brings tears to the eyes when he sees me and he goes, Oh, Randy, I'm so proud of you. Randy, I'm so proud of you. I feel the same way for like you, like for a Derek Martin that I've worked with, like for a B.J. Shaven, and there's been others as well. When I see how far that you guys have gone, that makes me feel proud because I feel like, you know, I've contributed my two cents to you, but everybody has their own style on how to do things. I don't know what style for sure is right, but it does make me proud knowing that my former boss is so proud of me it makes me proud that I know that you guys are doing well in, in your fields as well and uh, and continuing the tradition, if you will. So, oh, yeah, I'm not. That's, uh, that's one of the neat things about my job, knowing that there have been people that I've worked with and, like you said, have mentored that uh, have gone a ways in their career and uh, will continue to do so. Now, that, uh, that, that makes me feel very proud. Since you're about, I have to let you go pretty soon, you're about ready to head over to your pigskin pick'em show, and I'm sure part of your conversation is going to be on Peyton Manning, who appears to have stayed a year too late and isn't very good anymore to a degree. You know, certainly as a broadcaster, you want to do the same thing. You don't want to get to a point where you're not knowing about what you're talking about or you just don't want to put in the preparation work to know what you're talking about. Do you have... After being at it so long, is there a time where you know you want to be done, or has there been any planning to that? How do you how do you decide make that decision? Boy, that's a that's a great question. Oh yes, I thought about that here for the last three or four years, especially uh, one of the things at my age I don't like doing anymore is to travel, um, especially during the winter time. You know, when I was twenty five years old. I could jump in a vehicle, and I didn't care if there was two inches of ice on the road, 15 inches of snow. I wanted to do the game. I wanted to be there. I'm not that way anymore. And, in fact, uh, I just hate it when the weather's bad, and I know I've got a game down at Council Bluffs or Creston that's two, two and a half hours away. That's one of the things that has led me to think, you know, how much longer am I going to do this? Another thing is, uh, so I'm not going to lie to you, sometimes I do become a little bit, absent-minded, and you think to yourself, man, I can't remember his name, even though it should be on 
it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember it, and I don't want to embarrass myself in situations like that e- either. So yeah, no, that and that's when is the right time to do it. Um, you know, I'm getting closer to retirement. I still feel I do a good enough job on the play-by-play of games, but I can see myself slipping on certain times where I'm doing the play-by-play and it's just not flowing the way I wanted to or I can't remember the word I want to use or remember the person I wanted to talk about and get that on the air. And I, I think it's just something you try to overcome. But, yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this. I still enjoy doing it, but now I'm not going to lie to you. I don't enjoy it as much as what I did 25, 30 years ago. I still enjoy If I could snap my fingers and be at the gym or be at the field and uh, have the preparation time to do it, because, you know, uh, I'm busy with other things besides sales. I also do on-air. I do on-air scheduling. I'm in charge of all the weather here. There are times where you just don't have the preparation to do it. And that does bother me a little bit that sometimes I go into a game a little bit unprepared than what I usually am. So, yeah, like I mentioned a few times here, uh, uh, it's a great question, and I wish I knew the exact uh, way to answer that. But, uh, yeah, it does concern me, and uh, that was a, and, uh, I like the way you, answer, you asked me that because I've been thinking about that, so... Who are some of your favorite announcers that you think do play-by-play really well, both on a national basis and maybe some local guys in, or regional guys in your or gals, for that matter, in your area who people just don't know but who still do a very good job? Okay, one of the reasons I got into sports broadcasting was Jack Buck. Now, and I'm not talking about Joe Buck, who does all the stuff for Fox Sports. It's his dad, Jack. He was the St. Louis Cardinals baseball broadcaster, and my dad was a huge Cardinals fan, and I listened to him all the time, and that's the reason I I wanted to get into sports. And then Jack Buck started to do national stuff as well. So he's one of the guys that uh, uh, I idolized over the years. I like Joe Buck, but not near as much as Jack Buck, his dad. As far as locally is concerned, and there's been a lot of great broadcasters. Warren Swain, uh, who started at KDSN way before I did, then he went to KMA, and then he became, uh, you know, uh, uh, college sports broadcaster for now in Nebraska. He did it for the Oregon Ducks as well. He was good and played by play. As far as some of the young announcers, uh, B.J. Shaman, who was here, he now does games sometimes for the Cycle Network, does a good job. Uh, Derek Martin now works at KMA in Shenandoah. The sports does an excellent job for them down there. You did a great job, uh, you know, for us when you were at KDSN. I don't follow you as much now because you're not in our area anymore, but uh, those are the guys that have done. As far as TV right now, if I had to pick a favorite, uh, I do like Mike Tirico uh, doing play-by-play for, like, uh, Monday Night Football. I like John Gruden's analysis that way. Um you know, there's always some that I like. Um, uh, I forget his name now. He was Ohio State quarterback for a while. Uh, Herb Street, I think, does uh, Kirk Herb Street does a very nice job uh, as far as analyzing is concerned. Uh, you know, so there's a few out there that I like. There's some that I dislike, but uh, each one has their own style. But if I had to put one name out there, Jack Buck, 
is the reason why I'm in radio today. Take us through your preparation uh, process for a game. I know your everybody's is different. It's a very personal thing. Some people have elaborate spot boards. Some people do not. What do you do? When does your process start, and how detail how detailed do you get into it? Now it varies with each sport. I think I put more time into football because there's more work in the football. You've got the offensive and defensive starting lineups. Then you you want to have your two deep there as well because you know you know each one of us probably has a different play by play card that we follow. I have different form that I follow than, than what you do, but football takes a lot more time to do it because there's there's more to it. There's more players out there. Plus, there's more downtime in between plays, so you want a little bit more to talk about. So I probably spend a lot more time for a football game than I do, although I think it is a little bit easier now, once again, with the Internet and with quick stats in the state of Iowa. I mean, you have the stats available to you right away, and a lot of the coaches... If you just text the coach and say, I need to do an interview with you, when's a good time? They can say, well, call me at this number at this time. It's a little bit easier now than what it was, say, 40 years ago. But football, I definitely do more preparation on uh, basketball, baseball, softball, not near as much preparation. But, uh, you know, it just depends on what the day is like, too. There, If you've got more time, I probably spend more time on a football playoff game preparing than I would for a football regular season game. The same thing in you know the other sports when you get into the into the playoffs uh, or the tournaments, you're going to spend more time there because you want your broadcast to sound quality because you know there's going to be a ton of people listening. Well, a final question that I've been asking everybody on these podcasts is. This is partially made so other people can learn from myself and from my guests on how to become better broadcasters. And since we're doing interviews here, I'll say, grade the interview. Did I ask you any dumb questions? Were there any good ones? Do you What, what would you say was good and bad about this particular interview? Well, I thought all the questions were great, especially that one about now that you're getting up there in age and you've been doing it for a long time, when is the right time to quit? Do you see yourself, you know, losing some things, and I thought that was a great question, but all the questions were good. I mean, uh, being an interviewer, and I've done it over the years all the time, there's always going to be stupid questions that you ask, and you, you say to yourself, oh, why did I ask that question at all? But, but uh, L.A., you did a great job here today and enjoyed uh, you know answering the questions that you gave me, and uh, nothing to be ashamed about in your end, that's for sure. All right. Are you on social media yet, or are you still uh, fighting that fighting that trail? Well, I I am texting. I do emails. I don't tweet. Well, so I, I don't need to promote your Twitter then. Yeah, you don't. I don't Facebook. My wife Facebook, so I learn more about my granddaughter and my son probably more on Facebook than anything else. But uh, yeah, about three years ago, I broke down. I'm in the texting now, and you know, I email all the time now too. So. Uh, <laughs> The thing is, it passes you by if you don't do it. And in, in, in our industry, you snooze, you lose, as one of our famous uh, owners uh, says all the time. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not near the technological guy that I should be, but I know just enough to get by. So I want to let you go, but I want to ask you one more question based off of that answer. With how difficult has it been for you, just because the the technology has changed so much over 
over the last 40 years from when you started to what it is now. What has been the most difficult part? And has there ever been a time where you just wanted to throw all your papers up in the air and say, I quit because I can't figure something out? Oh, gosh, all the time I want to throw the papers up and say I quit because modern technology in our business, and then I if somebody shows me how to do something after repetition, I'm talking about technology now, I'm pretty good, but when I need to troubleshoot, like uh, when I'm broadcasting a game and we're doing it by Internet, and all of a sudden we get a drop signal because there's too many people using your cell phone, that frustrates the crap out of me. And, and the same thing back at the station when, how come this doesn't work when I'm recording something and I'm doing it the way I'm supposed to do, but it's not working? It's very frustrating to me. And the older I get, the worse it is for me to handle stuff like that. Thank goodness for young people like you. And now we got Mike Earl at the station that are, and Jay, Jay Johnson that are outstanding with that. I can rely on them, but it is frustrating. I'm not going to lie to you. That's been one of the things that maybe gets me closer to retirement than anything else. All right, once again, we are joined by Randy Grossman. He is the sports director at KDSN in Denison, Iowa, and has been in that position for, I believe, a little over 40 years now. So first of all, congratulations on staying in one place so long. Not a lot of people are able to do that. And thanks for joining us here on the Say the Damn Score podcast. Hey, Logan, it's, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you again. I know we had a lot of great times when you worked at KDSN, and uh, I'll always remember those, and I'll always remember the time, Halloween, you dressed up as Radio Rand in a <laughs> royal jacket with a headset on and a Miller light in your hand. I'll never forget that, and I thought that was like, the greatest, uh, uh, what do you call it, tribute I could get from somebody. So I'll never forget that. It's been a lot of fun. We'll post that picture with the podcast when it's when it's released. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining I us, and uh, we'll have another one in two weeks on the Say the Damn Score podcast. So thanks for joining us, and talk to you later.